Praise God. So glad you're here. Hey, uh, God is moving. He's stirring hearts. And I, I mean, obviously, you came in. You were wondering what was going on. A little chaotic. Just God moving. He's in an amazing way. It's so awesome. Just super proud of God and what he's doing and just your response to him. I have uh, some shirts over here for people that signed up to be baptized in this service. Your name is on the seat with a baptism certificate. And there's a shirt there for you. I want you, if you signed up to be baptized, then that's you over there. Would you go get those and put them on now? Because I'm going to call you up at the end. Hey, the youth are going to go down with uh, uh, Miss Jennifer back there. And we're going to call you up for the baptism when it's time. And the kids XP, so thank you. You're dismissed youth. And um, let's see what we got going on here. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. You spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? Yeah. Uh, you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yeah. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yeah. You have, did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yeah. You invite, well, you need to start over there, young man. I heard you. <laughs> did you invite someone to church with you today? Yeah. Please do that. Man, I mean, uh, God is so good, and he is working. So you know we have baptism signed up, celebration today. We have uh, the cloth with our names, which we put under that baptistry because many of the people whose names were on there were rebaptized today and uh, or baptized today for the first time as they gave their lives to Christ. And uh, God is so amazing. I want everybody to know that's watching online that our first service, we ran way over. And uh, if you're looking for the baptisms at the end, uh, some of them were not recorded on that same single thread, but they were recorded on another device because we ran out of time. And those will be on the uh, website as well and through on our, our uh, channel. So if you don't see you in the live service, it's going to be the sec part two. So uh, that wasn't me, by the way, preaching that long, just so everybody knows. You know, So if you're getting nervous, you're going to be home by dinner, don't worry. <laughs> all right at least you're awake all right so hey last week we looked at communion right and we celebrated communion together which we do periodically as the spirit of god leads us and the reason we do that periodically is because of what god's word teaches us about communion it's definitely not just some religious practice that we do because we come together for church it's so much more than that and we want to be respectful of what god says and how he teaches us and as we look through the lens of passover which is the lens that brings us that incredible salvation that is brought to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and how God unfolded that through the feasts and the celebration to reveal to you and I how it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are made right and that God himself will not judge us according to our sins, but by faith we receive Christ and he washes away our sins and it is through the blood of Christ that we're made new. It's amazing. And so as we celebrate communion, we come together to receive that because we know that we've been forgiven, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is the celebration of it. We've read the scriptures that tell us to make sure our heart is right before we end come up to the table, right? So that was last Sunday. So it's a beautiful picture of why we do communion, but today we're doing baptism. And so as we come into this moment, which God planned for us as we were going through that month of August, praying for people, looking for them to get saved, and then the baptism is a follow-up to your salvation. Today, as we bring the message, I want you to know that you may be a Christian that has been baptized, and you're like, I'm all good. I want you to listen to the message, and you will know if you're all good or not. Okay? 
You may need to be rebaptized in your faith, but that's between you and God. And maybe God will speak to you and you want to dedicate your life to Christ Jesus today and be baptized. We have a stack of towels that we just purchased. Usually I make everybody sign up ahead of time. There's a reason for that. And there's things that we are doing to make this work. But the Spirit of God was moving. He stirred my heart and said, let's do this. And so here we are. Let's go. As we celebrate baptism, we want to make sure that we are seeing the significance of God's plan and what God says. I am not one that cares what the church says. I want to know what God says. I think the church has its practices and they're good and it's fine. But what matters is what God says. And if the church says something that God doesn't say, then we better check ourselves. And so we want to know what God says. And what we do is according to the scriptures and not according to just church tradition. So the best place for us to look in our Christian faith as we look into the Old Testament, remembering that in the Old Testament, there is a, a revelation of God's plan in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And that's what we saw in the Passover celebration. And now we want to look back and see something about baptism and what we need to learn. So when we look into the Old Testament, we find a lot of symbolism for baptism. And as we talk about symbolisms, it's important that you and I realize that symbols have a unique place in our lives and in this world. And they all mean something. And so when you just, please don't just like get a design and put it up in your house or wear it on your body or anything like that because symbols have a lot of meaning. And it means something in the spirit of darkness world and in Christendom both. So there are symbols of darkness and symbols of light. And as we look back into the Old Testament, we see symbolism of baptism and scripture references some of those events that took place in history. And so let's visit a couple of those. We're not preaching on them. We're just kind of glancing back and seeing something. In the book of Genesis, we know that God grieved in his heart that he ever made humanity because of our sin. People were all about their perverted ways. They had not followed God's ways. They had lived in their flesh, and they were just partying, perverted, messed up people. See, today I want you to know that a lot of people think we're like creating new ways to sin. We're not. Sin has been here since sin entered the world, and people were perverted and corrupt back there in the book of Genesis, just like they are today. It's the Word of God, and He's speaking to us. You see, we're not more sinful we're just sinful and that corruption has been here and God got so sick of it that he said I can't take it anymore I'm going to kill everybody and he took the one man that was righteous in his family and that guy's name was Noah and he spoke to Noah and he said Noah build an ark it's going to rain now what you need to know as you look in your Bible it never rained before the earth was water was watered by water that came up from the ground and then the dew that came down from the heavens, not rain forms, but the clouds that were there. So the earth was watered by God that way, and it had never rained prior to the flood. So here's what God says to this guy. I want you to build a boat on land because it's going to rain. So the book of Hebrews tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and so he was preaching to people while he built the ark that God's judgment was coming. Nobody listened. They continued to live in their perversions and their sin and their own ways, mocking him as he built the boat. God's word tells us it was 120 years building that boat. So now as you think about this, this man of God, this man Noah, how faithful he was, as he built this boat, 
telling people it's going to rain. It had never rained before. I want you to know God can do whatever he wants because he's God. It doesn't matter if it's ever happened before or not. God can do the impossible in the moment, and he will do it because he's God. And it doesn't matter what you or I think. God is God, and he's going to do his thing. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, brother. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So as we're talking about this and we're seeing what's going on, God all of a sudden brings the rain, right? So here's the thing. God told Noah and his family to get in the boat, and God himself shut the door. Do you see? God is the one that picks the day. No one else. God shut the door on the ark. The line was drawn, and God was going to do what he said he was going to do. The floods came in. Now listen what it says here in the Word of God. See, worldwide destruction came through the flood. And 1 Peter 3, if you go into the New Testament, references this as a symbolism of baptism. Because you see, they had faith in God. They believed Noah and his family. They built the ark in faith. So they believed God. Then when they got in the boat, they were in the waters. And their faith was rewarded with new life. All right. Keep that in your mind as we progress further in the scriptures here. Before God came down in the cloud to speak to the Israelites, because God told Moses, I'm going to come and talk to the people on the mountain. You tell them that they need, for the next three days, they need to get themselves together because I'm coming on the third day. So here's what he told them. He said, I want you guys to abstain from sexual relations, even if you're married. Nobody else should have been. Step two, I want you to wash your clothes and wash yourselves and present yourself on the third day before me clean. So God says, when you do this, I'm going to talk to you. So if you think about it, there was an act of faith, obedience, and then the presence of God came. Now, let's keep moving forward and look about and see what was happening here. The Israelites under Moses gained their freedom from slavery through the waters of the Red Sea. Paul references this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, saying this is like baptism. They were like baptized, coming from the old life of bondage and slavery, following God as he led them, and they walked through the waters to the other side, and God collapsed the waters on their enemy, and therefore they began a new life. So he's telling us this is like baptism. We see a symbolism in this that shows us something about baptism. Now, God also, when he was given Moses' instruction for the priests, he said, I want you to bring those priests forward. They have to wash themselves before me and then put on their priestly garments and enter into my presence to do their ministry. So we see the symbolism of that water and coming into the presence of God. Now we know the Exodus account. Now, for 40 years, the people wandered the wilderness till that generation died off because of their disobedience. God brings them to the promised land, and he appoints Joshua to lead them in. How do they get into the promised land, church? God opened the Jordan River, and God opened the waters once again, and the people of Israel stepped into the new life that God had promised, and they crossed through the waters to get there. Now, as we think about this and we look at all that God is doing, we see also that Elisha began his ministry after Elijah had been raptured by God, taken up in that chariot. He came back and he passed through the waters and he said, where's the God of Elijah? And the waters parted and he walked through on dry ground. <laughs> began his ministry life. We know John the Baptist. He's called John the Baptist because he baptized people. 
But if you know the scriptures, you know this. John the Baptist baptized people. He's calling them and he said, I'm calling you to repent of your sin and turn from your sin and be baptized. However, John said, there is one that is coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So he's saying like, hey, there's something more that is about to happen after this baptism. There is the power of God that is going to come and ignite you, and you're going to be made new inside. There's something more. And he was talking about what Jesus was going to come and do. Church, it's amazing. Every Christian since the day of Pentecost have been baptized in their faith in Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, what about this baptism stuff? Let's go back and look at some of the creation of God as he spoke religious practice into being. Now, when he came to Moses, he gave him the law, which is the Old Testament uh, Pentateuch, and there it's found. And God gave that law to his people, saying this is what you have to do. It's the sacrificial system, it's the festivals, it's all these things. And God said, this is what my people will do, and they will follow these ways. In the midst of that, then, God also said, I want you to design a tabernacle, a place of meeting, a house of God. And so he gave instructions on how to build the tabernacle. So if you remember the Exodus account, God was there in the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. But he also said, I want a place of meaning. So the presence of God was always with them. Now, please hear this, church. The presence of God was always with them. However, they were also called to go to the place of meeting. A lot of people don't think they need to go to church. Hey, you need to go to church. All you got to do is read your Bible, and God tells us that. We're part of a body. We're part of the family. We have to come to the house of God. It's all part of our Christian walk. So a lot of people, when they meet me, and I'm sure they've met you, when they say, if they find out I'm a pastor, the first thing they say, well, I don't go to church, but I just don't believe in organized religion. That's the first thing they say. I'm sure you all have heard that. Well, I want you to know God is very organized. He is, and he's the one that set it up. And so you can argue with him if you want to, but you're going to lose. And then I give him an out, and I say, look, you can come to our church. We're the most disorganized church you're going to find in Tucson. So you can be part of us, and you'll be fine. All right? The other excuse they say is the roof falling. I said, we got insurance, and we need a roof. Please come. All right? So I just want to help you with all your friends and their excuses, but we need to be in God's house. You see, God created the tabernacle because the people had to come to him. They had to come to him as an act of worship. Was God present? Yes. Was God leading? Yes. But God also said, you need to come to me. Hmm. That's pretty interesting when you think about it. There's a picture that's coming across your screen up here. And the picture that you're going to see coming across the screen is of the tabernacle. Now, what's interesting as we look at, well, there's a lot of interesting stuff. We're not going to get into all of it, but it's important that we see this. This was God's design, church. Please hear me. This was God's, this wasn't Moses' design. The Israelites didn't come up a way of like making the house for God. God gave the design, and the design has purpose. Everything God does has purpose. He's amazing. So as we look at this, you'll see there's an outer courtyard. Now, prior to Jesus, this is the pre-Jesus worship experience. None of you all would be in here right now. None of you. You'd be outside the gate. 
And you would only be able to come up to those curtains. That picture disappeared on me right when I was pointing at it, but it's right back here. So those purple curtains in the front were the doorway, the entrance into the courtyard. All right, so that's as far as y'all could go. Right there at the gate. But why did you come there? You came there to bring your offerings to God. You came to present yourself before God and God's house. And then you would come and the ministers, the priests, and the priestly, someone would be there to meet you at the gate. You would give your offering and say what you were there for and what it meant. The priests themselves would take that offering back. And the very first place you see right there is the altar. Now, it's important that we get this, church. So you see the smoke coming up off the fire? The first place inside entering into coming to the presence of God is the altar. The sacrifice is made. The priest then comes back to bring that sacrifice that has been offered before God, the blood or whatever he needs to bring forward to God, and he comes forward, and the very next thing that's there is the brass lavern, which is the pool of water. Listen, church, do you see that? It's the altar and then the water. The water comes after the offering. The water comes after the offering, after the altar experience. Then comes the water. Then comes the presence of God. Hmm. Interesting that God designed this saying, you're going to start there, you're going to go there, you're going to go there, then come into my presence. Interesting. So, as we consider this then, I want to explain to you, church, why we call this the altar. Now that Jesus has given his life for us and he blew open those gates and he called us into the very presence of God, the presence of God is now available to us. You don't come to a priest. You don't need one. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Now you come directly to the altar, to the place where Christ's blood is applied. So here's what's happening now. We call this an altar, and that the reason I do this at the end of the action steps, as you know, I call people and say, come to the altar. We call it this because this is where the sacrifice, this is where we lay ourselves before God. This is where we present whatever it is that God is speaking to us about. We give it to him. That's why we call this the altar. So we come before God at the altar, and we deal with it. You know what it says in Romans 12, 1? So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Yeah, you see that? He's saying, like, would you present yourself there? So we're inviting you and saying, hey, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. There's something more to this that we're going to see as we look in the scripture. But you come forward and you are given life when you die. <laughs> yep, you have to die. Christ needs to live in you. And therefore, there is this living sacrifice that takes place, this spiritual encounter with God that it is only possible because of what he did. So it's the place of death to self and the resurrection of life in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. It gives us the ability to live a new life. That's what this salvation thing is all about. Once you've given yourself to God, accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your life is changed. 
and you are to be baptized in celebration of that change and telling everybody in the world that old life is dead. I am now buried in Christ. I'm alive and I'm living a new life. That's the whole purpose of what God said. Remember, we looked at it in the scriptures. It's sacrifice, water, presence. So God is calling us to say yes to him, to be baptized, to bury that old life, and to come forth into the new life in Jesus Christ. God is amazing. It's a beautiful thing, man. And when we do it God's way, it's incredible. Some churches are trying to dunk you while you're still a sinner until you're getting saved when you come out of the water. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, all you are is a wet sinner when you come out. That water can't save you. This is Tucson water, man. In the holy water, it's not. So it's not going to save you. It's not going to wash away your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that washes away your sins. You are baptized to tell the world, I'm a new creation. I have been made new in Christ. And that old life is now buried and I'm washed and I'm made new in Him. And that is what it's all about is this celebration of that faith. However, now I want you to know what God does is He makes you holy by saying yes to Him and coming through the water. The water is not holy, the person becomes holy. And it is a work of God that he does because his very holy presence now comes to live within us. Oh man, is God amazing or what? He's so good. <laughs> see, now your life has to change now. Because you see, you're dead, now you're alive. You were living in your brokenness and your sin, so you were dead. Now you've accepted life in Christ and you are alive. Listen to the word of God again. We go into Romans chapter 5. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. See, we're all sinners. We're born in it, right? One sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ, one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Do you see that? Okay, let's keep reading. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Man, is God good, isn't it? Like there was a continual line of sacrifices that happened. We can't even wrap our brains around that. How many people were bringing sacrifices? The priests were constantly killing animals. And then Jesus, <laughs> the final sacrifice. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin. Oh, wait a minute. I died. Remember I died? At the altar? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Church, we can't live the old life anymore because now we're dead. We're buried. We're alive in Christ. Therefore, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism... I'm reading the scriptures here in case you were wondering, where's this word coming from? God's word. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. 
Hallelujah, man. He's saying to us, look, when you come to the altar and you receive salvation, then you're baptized, and that altar can be anywhere, by the way. God will save you wherever you are. God saves you, and then you come through baptism. Then you have the power of God for living a new life, right? Okay, church, it's just like we were looking at that picture. Altar, water, presence of God. Same thing. Same thing. God's order of things. Salvation, baptism, presence, and power of God. That's what it's all about. You see, that's why. See, churches, I don't care what churches do, or I don't care what grandma taught you, and I don't care if you're uncomfortable with what you're hearing right now. I am speaking God's word. This is the biblical approach to things, and you can't get saved by getting baptized. You're saved by Jesus Christ alone, just like you couldn't get saved by communion last week. The communion is something we celebrate our salvation in. Baptism is we're celebrating our salvation. We're telling everyone I'm dead. I'm no longer alive. Here I am. Now I'm alive in Christ and I'm a new creation. I've been given an opportunity by God to live a new life. Born again, a new way, not the old way. Not the old way. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. It's God's word. Church, like, do you know how many churches are trying to accommodate everybody and make them comfortable in their sin? God's word calls us out and says, look, if you're living like this, you're not going to heaven. We don't make the rules. God does. He set the standard. And God's standard says if you live like that, you're not going to heaven. That's your choice. But it doesn't end there, church. Thank God for that. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's churches that are going to try and tell you you're okay and you're going to go to heaven. I don't care what they say. God's word says something different. And listen to what it goes on to say. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Anybody once like that? Did you used to live that way? Come on, let's confess it. We used to live that way. All right, but listen to what it says. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by the calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So you see, the Word of God tells us we used to live that old life of sin, but we don't live that way anymore because we have come to God through Jesus Christ and the power of the living God lives in us and we no longer live that old way. That's God's Word. So as we look at the Word of God and we see in Scripture that those who have accepted Jesus Christ are changed, this change comes through calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of God, not through baptism. Okay, now baptism plays a role, but it's after the calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's how we're saved. So thus, the transformation is celebrated in baptism, showing the world, declaring to everyone, to God, to yourself, and to the world around you, I've been cleansed from that old life. That's not me anymore. You may have known me, but that's not me anymore. I'm made new. So now that old life is dead and buried, and it's in the tomb with Jesus Christ, we come out of the water, and we are now given the power of God to live this incredible, transformed new life. So what the Word of God just told us is the same power 
that raised Christ from the dead is the power that now gives you the ability to live a new life, right? That's what I just read to you on God's Word. Do I want to go back and read it again? You want to hang out a little longer? Uh, what it said in there is that same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you for you to live a new life. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a little better response, but we'll go on. All right, so... <laughs> Here's the problem, like I see here, is that why do so many Christians think sin has power over them? Why do so many Christians think that sin has power over them? Because what I just read in the Word of God is, the old life is dead, I'm made holy by God, and the power of God now lives in me to live a new life. Sin is no longer my master. God is. Amen. Okay, mediocre, but we'll go on. All right, so, so <laughs> we're going to, so it, I didn't do that to the last service. It's not why they're here so long. Just keep going. Go ahead, let's go. All right, so if we know that that power is in us that raised Christ from the dead and that Jesus Christ in the word of God tells us that he took the keys of sin and death from Satan, so our sins gave the devil authority here and authority over us. Christ came and gave his life, taking that authority back from the devil. So when you look at that scripture in Matthew 28, the Great Commission scripture, Jesus comes and tells the disciples after his death and resurrection, this is what he says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Now therefore go. See, he's like, now we've got the power. Now we have it. Not him. You're not a slave to him anymore. You're not owned by him. When you follow Jesus, the authority has now been given to us. Church, we need to own the power and the authority of God in our lives and stop giving in to the devil. Stop giving in to sin and stop living below the level God bought for us in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what's happening in the church today. If maybe we're just thinking temptation is sin, it's not. The Word of God tells us Jesus was tempted in every way like you and I, but he did not sin. So just because you're being tempted doesn't mean you're living in sin. That means you're living right. Right? I mean, the devil's not going to tempt you if he already owns you. He's tempting you because he doesn't. And he's trying to get you to renounce that and walk away. And God's like, I got you. Let's go do this. He says, with every temptation, I'll make a way of escape that you might... Come and bear under all that that you're challenged with. So church, what we need to do is step into the fullness of our redemption and the power of our God. Stop surrendering to sin. Stop surrendering to the power of the enemy. Stop going back to the old way. That's not you anymore. That old you is dead. If you've received Christ as your Savior, then the old you is dead. So stop living there. Okay, let's go back to our text in Romans 6. Remember that part where should we continue in sin? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We're going to continue reading now. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful lives selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might what lose its power in our lives 
We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Hallelujah. Own it. And since we died with Christ, we, now, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Everybody, I want you all to say that. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Man, put that on all your stuff. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Let everybody know. I'm dead to sin. That was the old me. Yes, I was a jerk. Yes, I was in bondage. Yes, I was a, you know what? Yeah, not anymore. I'm dead to that life. You're going to meet the new Dave. Amen. That's what it's all about. So those who are being baptized today, you see, have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. They're here to declare they're dead to sin, alive in Christ. There is something that God is spiritually doing in my life that says, I am a new creation. And I want everybody to know it. That's why we get baptized publicly. It's not a private event. We don't go sneak off somewhere and take a shower and be like, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I'm baptized. No. Man, we do it publicly because why? We're performing a funeral service for you. A celebration. We're saying, hey, meet Gabriel. He was dead. Now he's alive. Welcome into the body of Christ. Gabriel's getting baptized this morning. That's why I used him. All right? You see what I'm saying, church? This is what it's all about. So it's the altar, the water, the presence. The altar, the water, the presence. Oh, Holy Spirit, do your work. Yeah. You want to get the kids? I should have sent for them a while ago. <laughs> all right. If you signed up to be baptized already, would you come forward over there, please, and bring your towel with you if I didn't tell you to do that? <clears throat> Just come over to those chairs. So, you know, we put this stuff out there for everybody that wants to be baptized, that you would sign up to be baptized. And we did have a problem with our app. We're working on that. I'm not sure what's going on, but um, something happened, but we're going to fix that. But if you feel like the Spirit of God wants you to be baptized today, we want you to know we want you to be baptized. It doesn't matter if you planned for it or we planned for it or not. You can go home wet, give you a reason to testify to people. Your life is made new and you got saved and you're being baptized and you're rededicated your life to Christ. It'd be a witness tool. Go have lunch all wet. I don't care what you do. Here's what's happening. God is doing something and we want to be obedient to him and what he's doing. So if you feel the Spirit of God wants you to be baptized, please come over here and join these that are over here on this side. Okay? All right. We're going to allow you a few minutes, but I'm also going to ask these to stand. Would you guys that are over here stand and look at me? You understand that I'm going to ask you for a response in just a moment that by coming here today and being baptized that this water isn't going to save you, but you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and therefore you know that you are a new creation in Christ and you are here to be baptized to celebrate that. If that is true, please say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Amen. All right. Praise God. It's awesome.
We got a couple other people going. I got a stack of towels here, guys. We already, somebody bought them and stacked them up in case you're getting them. I have a whole bunch. If you don't have one, if you're worried about being wet, we have a towel. It's all good. All right? I'm going to ask you to be seated, and I'm going to call you up one at a time. And I had some names up here. Actually, I didn't even give you the, the um, action steps, did I? If you need Jesus, you know you need to come and get him, right? You do know that, don't you? Can you do that? Somebody's here, somebody online. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is the moment. Here's the altar. We have time for this. We want to make time for this. And if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to know if you've begun living the new life that is available to you through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you started that? Because it's available. Will you today offer yourself as a living sacrifice at the altar for Almighty God? He desires to have this relationship with you. He gave his life for you that you can have this new life. And that's why he's asking us and he's inviting us to come. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we always have time for altar work, right? Always. Man, the altar's open. If you're not right with God, man, you should be running up here. It is wet over here, so be careful. But man, you should be coming. If your heart's not right, it needs to be right. There's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. There is only one Savior, that is Jesus Christ. There's only one way, it's God's way. And if you're not doing it God's way, you're not doing it and you're not going. So why not get it right today? He loves you. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you for each and every one of them that are here at the altar this morning. You know their hearts and you know why they're here, God. <laughs> Thank you for your faithful Holy Spirit. As we come to the altar, we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. This is truly worship, Lord. It is. We are worshiping the Creator. <laughs> 